Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. who uh, can sit on the floor. There were some uh, open spaces. Come on up front. Um, well, maybe it's because uh, the, uh, the joy course started this week. I'm not quite sure, but I'm just feeling a little bit more in my, in my heart and um, have been playing with a particular practice in recent weeks that I've found uh, very invigorating and uh, thought I'd, I'd share it with you. You perhaps are familiar with the uh, very Buddhist concept word anatta, A-N-A-T-T-A, probably Many people are familiar, and maybe if you're new, it's uh, maybe you've heard the word, but it seems a little bit esoteric. And the word anatta, atta, like atman in uh, in Sanskrit, atman is soul, and anatta, anatman is no soul or no self. Not self is usually the the way that uh, the word is translated, the concept of not-self. It seems very deep and profound, and it is very deep and profound. But um, basically, the idea is that um, this entity that seems separate from life is just one perspective that, on a much deeper perspective, there is no fixed abiding self that we can find anywhere in this mind-body process that is continually changing and say, oh, that's me. And so often the word emptiness is also used to point to this anatta, this not-self, in the sense of being empty of a separate self. There's, it's empty of you can't find something that will be fixed and unchanging that is you. Sometimes I, I like to, to point to um, the perspective of instead of seeing, thinking of yourself as some thing, as a noun, think of yourself as a verb, as a field of activity. In fact, just for a moment, just play around with this in your mind. Close your eyes, and there you are. On the one level, there's me, my body, my mind. I know who I am. What is he talking about? There's no self here. Okay, instead of thinking of yourself as this thing, this entity, 
see what it's like to relate to this coalescing of life as a verb, as this fluid process of experience. That's thinking and feeling and sensing and all the different systems that are organized into one pattern called human being, called me. And when you think of it in that way, when you think of yourself in that way, there is a kind of freedom that comes. Okay, you can open your eyes if you'd like. Uh, or you can keep them closed if you like. It's either way. Um, how many people just got a glimpse of relating to themselves as a verb? Curious. Good. Yeah, that wasn't so complicated, was it? If you have that ongoing perspective relating to yourself that way, then you are um, moving towards that perspective of anatta. It doesn't mean that you don't exist. It doesn't mean, you know, if I pinch you, you, in fact, if I pinch you, I won't pinch you, but you will feel it and the person next to you won't. So on a relative level, there is something, this pattern of life called you. But on an ultimate level, it is just this movement of life that is expressing itself, organized in this pattern that, as I said, there's no, nothing solid in there, nothing unchanging that you can point to. You are a pattern of experience rather than something um, fixed and solid. And the Buddha said, if you understand this, it's tremendously liberating. Why? Why is it so freeing? Because in this perspective, the walls between us and others start to uh, dissolve. The barriers dissolve. And here we are. One way I, I think of it in my own conceptual mind, it's um, this room with all of these expressions of life, and it's just life talking to itself, using this mouth right now and those ears and that consciousness, and comes back, give and take, and flowing constantly, interacting with all the other forms of life. We're like an ecosystem right now. And that understanding is very um, freeing because in, in that moment, it, when you see it that way, then you're not separate. And in that not feeling separate, then you're part of everything. And in being part of everything, we feel a connection with life. Thich Nhat Hanh uses the, uh, the term interbeing. We interbe with each other. It's another way of saying interconnectedness. And in that, in that perspective, we feel most alive because it is the direct antidote to isolation, to loneliness, 
to fear. All of those things that are probably as painful as it gets, in some ways, even more painful than sadness and loss. That can, sadness and loss can be very deeply painful, of course. But there's a cause for that, and there is a moving through the grief of that. But when we feel disconnected from ourselves and from everybody around, it's very, uh, it's very hard. And sometimes we can get stuck in that place for a while. Anyone ever get stuck in, in fear or disconnection? Mm. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Okay. This is part of, of being human. But when we feel that connection, and we feel it in our lives, all of us from time to time, our relationships, ones that are meaningful to us, are more valuable than our most prized possessions. Whatever possession you might have, you might really uh, be fond of it. But they come and they go. But our friendships, our relationships, our connections, you know, when, when, you, when you look at your life and see, how's life going? If you think of what's really important to, to you, it will, for me, I generally think of all the people in my life that I, that I love and that I feel so fortunate to have that contact with. That's when we feel most alive, when we are sharing that positive energy. Because that love is flowing through us and shared. Jack Cornfield says that at the end of our lives, then perhaps the most important question we can ask ourselves is, did I love well? It's a... It's a, it's a wonderful way to frame your life. How much love are you allowing yourself to feel? How much love are you allowing yourself to, to share? When we feel connected, our hearts are full of love and we're happy. And when we feel cut off from others, we are not connected with that love, and we suffer. And now, most would agree, as I was thinking about this, the, uh, the, the final lyric that the Beatles ever recorded is, uh, this is in the, in the studio, in their career, the last thing they recorded was the final, um, the coda of Abbey Road that ends with, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. If you keep on reflecting on that line, um, it's, it's very profound. Who could disagree with that? That in order to, to feel love, you have to be able to, to give love. But there's, there's a, a, a tricky kind of a thing when we're feeling stuck, when we're feeling... 
especially when we're in fear. And these days, there's a lot of fear that's going around. Um, and it's easy to pick it up, even if, even if that's not who you are. You know, because probably most everyone knows someone who's affected by things these days. And so particularly, it seems important to remember this. When we're contracted, when we're stuck in fear, it's like the well runs dry, and it's not as easy to generate or contact that love. We don't have anything to give, and we might hope and, and pray that somehow we'll find it again, or maybe somebody will find us, and we can, we can feel that love and, and, and come out of our... contraction. I know the, the thought when it takes over, I know it very well, that says, oh, I wish I had more love in my life, or I'm not, I'm not lovable. That was a thought that I had a lot when I was growing up. I'm not lovable. And when you're trapped in the prison of your mind that says, where is the love? I, I want to feel it. I felt it last year. It was just right there. Where could it have disappeared to? Um, it's, it's so painful, and we're, we're looking for others to somehow let us know that we're okay, that we belong, that we can validate, be validated. I saw this incredible um, video. Maybe I'll put it on on the website or somehow share it. Uh, somebody sent it to me about this guy who's a parking valet validating people. Did, you, did anybody see that? Has anybody seen it? Oh, maybe you sent it to me. Oh, that's it. You sent it to me. Uh, it, it was incredible. This guy, he, he just validates people. And, uh, you know, the validating the parking lot, they, go, they, they line up and he validates their, their ticket and he says, um, gosh, you're a, you've got a good smile. And the person says, oh, yeah? And then the next one comes. And, Gee, you just have such a beautiful energy coming off of you. Oh, yeah? Well, pretty soon, like, there's lines around the, the, uh, the parking lot. People aren't going into the stores. They just want to get validated <laughs> by this guy, you know? Then it goes into a whole drama, you know, he becomes like the saint-like guy, and then he <laughs> falls in love and with somebody who doesn't quite get it, and then she finally gets it. But it was so, and the police come because he's, 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 uh, he's holding up the works. There's not enough consumption going on in the, uh, in, in the malls because they're, they're, he's validating them, and they say, this is, this is, uh, this is too dangerous, and and they say, and then he, he says to the police, oh, you've got such a sweet demeanor. Oh, you're doing such a good job. And they say, gosh, it's so nice for somebody to recognize and they let him go. <laughs> That's where we're, we're desperate. We're so, so looking for validation. And then we can feel, oh, we're worthy of love. Oh, yes, maybe I am worthy of love. 
But if we're trapped in the prison of our mind that says, where is the love? Where did it go? How did I lose it? From that place, it's almost impossible to get it. And sometimes I've, I've felt that uh, I, I'm with somebody who's such a, a beautiful being who can't see their own beauty. And no matter what, I, I, I could imagine lining up everybody in their life or six billion people, one after another, saying, you're really fine. But when you're in that place, nobody can scratch the itch for you. You ever fall into that place and people saying, hey, you just, it's okay, you know, I really love you, and still, you still feel small for whatever reason. It's so hard to get out. Because that contracted mind focuses on what's missing. As we've talked about here before, the brain seems to focus on the negative. You know, my friend Rick Hansen says it's Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive. <laughs> we ha- and and it's, it's there because we are, we're wired up for survival, so we look out for what's wrong. But we have to train ourselves to see, to see the positive. And somebody, you ever go into a room and everybody else seems kind of benign and, and friendly, but there's somebody who you're picking up some vibes from some negative vibes, and they become the one dominant person in the room. Nobody else counts. You are so tuned into them. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when you're giving a talk, I used to do this, I'd be giving a talk, and you know, most everybody would be attentive, and there'd be somebody who's... You know, who knows, maybe they got three hours sleep last night, but they're yawning or kind of fidgety or looking at their watch, you know, and it's like, oh, this talk isn't going over so well, you know, because the mind can just focus on, on them. And when you're lost in that emotion of feeling not good enough, As Paul Ekman said a few weeks ago, while you're in the middle of that mindset and there's an emotional wave that says um, things aren't so good or or, I'm I'm just, I'm a loser right now, whatever the emotion is that comes with that unworthiness. Everything, while you're in the, the sway of that emotion, everything corroborates, your mind can't see anything that doesn't confirm what you're feeling. That's just how it works. It's quite interesting, what, what he calls the refractory period, where you're lost in that emotion and you only see what will confirm what you're feeling. So it's really hard to break that spell, but sometimes it can get, get broken. I, I remember as I was writing this, um, mm, I was in that place when I was in my 20s. Uh, I went to, I, I used to travel each summer because I was a, I was a school teacher and I got out in uh, July and August and uh, went, went traveling usually to Europe. And one summer I went to, um, among other places, I went to Sweden. And, 
This was the height of the disco era. <clears throat> kind of dates me. Uh, I was young in the disco era. And, uh, and I was a kind of young, kind of long-haired with a beard and kind of pseudo-hippie-ish. I was kind of uh, on that end of things. And uh, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, that, that was fine for a Greek island, but in Sweden, in the disco scene, that it, it, it didn't go over that big. And I couldn't figure this out until... Sometime later, somebody told me. But uh, I go to the disco each evening and, you know, kind of floored by these beautiful Swedish women, ask somebody to dance. No. Ask somebody else. No. (laughs) I'd go, I'd ask, like, you know, maybe... Ten people a dance, no. And finally, I'd go home, you know. Then I go the next night, same thing. No. No. And you know, it's not at least the discos that I went to. I don't know if they're that way in all of the Sweden these days. But they didn't. It wasn't like a real warm no. It was, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, it's up there in cold territory. <laughs> so um, I did that for uh, a few nights, and I was just feeling so lousy about myself. And uh, I thought, my God, how pathetic I am, right? And uh, it was about the third night, I, I went back to my room, and I, um, I opened up Be Here Now, which was my Bible at the time, uh, by Ram Das. And started reading the pages that kind of brought me back to myself and talking about how lovable you really are and all. And and, um, it kind of melted things a bit. And then I I had this, it was a very profound experience as I thought about it. I started thinking about all the people in my life that I knew really did love me. Just... There I was. I was thousands of miles away from them, but all of a sudden, home looked so good. And I thought, oh, yeah, so-and-so loves me. Oh, yeah, so-and-so loves me. And then it occurred to me that those people really knew me, and I was taking these five-second interactions as being the, the measuring stick of whether I was worthy or not. And little did I know, probably if I dressed differently and shaved my, my face and cut my hair, maybe somebody would have said yes. I don't know. And it was, it was, uh, it was a, I, can, I can see the room right now. Just see, it's amazing how the mind just goes. You know, there I was on my bed saying, oh, wow, why am I taking these instant interactions as the measurement of my worth or not over these people who knew me. So that kind of broke the spell there. I also remember um, sometimes somebody special can break the spell. I remember when I first, um, it wasn't so much a spell, but it was a, it was a very meaningful encounter when I first went to um, 
Naropa Institute in 1974, uh, that first summer that I encountered the Dharma, uh, met my teacher Joseph Goldstein and met Ram Dass and all. And, and uh, my friend, Annapurna, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, right from the beginning, he was really, she was like a big sister to me, angelic, and she just said, hi, how are you? And we became friends, and I was thinking, wow, here's this really neat woman who's been around. She knew all the Rinpoches and all the, you know, all the powerful people. And she just befriended me, and I kind of felt, oh, maybe I'm okay. I kind of belong here. And I have such gratitude towards her. Sometimes when somebody takes you under their wing, you can start to feel your worth. But anyway, it often is hard to shift the spell, and that's what I want to talk about for the rest of uh, the evening. It's just a shift of perspective. If you can open yourself to all the love that is around you, you will find an ongoing confirmation that you are lovable, worthy of love, and loved. And even more, that you are love. So how to do this? This simple shift of perspective that can make all the difference. I've shared here before the, the practice that uh, I'll just briefly mention uh, tonight that, that made a big difference for me in my, my metta practice where I looked at myself through somebody else's eyes and saw, oh, what do, what do they see? And really got myself from another perspective. This is a slightly different approach. And uh, I was really inspired, actually, by reading uh, just the beginning, the first few pages of this book. I have to get a hold of it. I, I've tried a number of bookstores and, and haven't been able to, to get a hold of it yet. But there's a book called Awakening Through Love by John McCransky. And in the, the first few pages, he suggests a practice to support the hypothesis that you're worthy of love. And it's something that I would do on an unconscious level, but when I read it, I said, oh, yes, we can do this in a, in a much more focused way. And it is simply, it's so simple, you might say, oh, well, what's the big deal? But if you do it, it becomes a big deal. It's simply being present for all the acts of kindness that come your way. Being present and taking in the love, lots of different ways. You know, a friend gives you an affectionate hug. To, to really take it in, oh, this is love that's coming towards me. Or uh, uh, a coworker uh, expresses appreciation, or somebody says, oh, thanks. Rather than just saying, oh, that's nice that they noticed. It's like 
that word is transmitting an energy to you from outside of your being. That, that, that person is an agent, an agent of the universe saying, you're worthy of appreciation and love. Just through the word, thanks. And you take it in. Oh, great. Or someone gives you a, a genuine greeting of delight. Hey, hi, it's good to see you. Or uh, even a stranger passes you and smiles at you. Or somebody opens up a door instead of, they could just slam it in your face. I mean, really. But instead, they open up the door because you count. And it's life saying, here, this is for you. We acknowledge you. And you're worthy of this act of kindness. Once you start to look for it that way, you will see that life is continually sending good energy your way. Think for a moment. Um, close your eyes and think of all the encounters that you had today. Unless you were in your house and didn't encounter anybody until this evening, and you can count this evening too, but all the different people that you met, each encounter, there was a friendly hello or a gesture of acknowledgement. In fact, other than any intense negative energy, perhaps most of those encounters were benign and basically friendly. And if you really would take that in, think of all the ways that life has said, you know, you're okay. You start to be on the lookout for those small and large expressions of goodwill and of kindness. And you see that life is letting you know all the time how deserving you are. Okay, if you'd like, you can open your eyes. That um, in this way, everyone becomes an agent of goodwill towards you. Everyone becomes your benefactor. And as you, are let, as you let yourself be nourished by that benevolence, by the benevolence that's all around you, the more you tune into it, the more uplifted you, you are. You become nourished by it. And of course, as you become nourished by it, and the contraction starts to be released a bit, well, what happens? There's a positive energy field that just keeps on attracting more. So it becomes a kind of benevolent feedback loop. Now, from the perspective of anatta, of this non-separation, 
of this no self. It's not even that the love is coming to you. That's one level. It's not just love coming to you, but love is coming through you. It's using all of us to remind itself. Instead of, oh, I mean, on one level, oh, I must be okay. I must be lovable. It goes deeper than that, and you see, oh, but of course, how could it be any other way? It's not about me. It's about just this energy flow. When it, start, when it stops being separate people and you just see life as an energy flow and the self is taken out of it, there's a kind of ease and release. Now, of course, it's important to see that not all the energy that comes to you is going to be positive energy. I mean, let's, let's be real. But if you're warding yourself off, oh, I just got louder. If you're warding yourself off and protecting yourself from the negative energy, there's a big price sometimes that you pay because you can't let in all the good energy coming to you. So there's, there's a, a, an art of allowing for that loving energy to come to you and... Um, knowing how to protect yourself from the unwanted energy. But from the perspective of anatta, it's just flowing through you and it moves through you out as well. Because then what else can you do? Do you hold on to that? No, if you allow it to flow through you, then you just have it more to give. We're all, this is the way I see it, we're all, these human being forms are just transmitter receivers, transmitter receiver energy units. That's, that's, if you want to know how my mind really works, (laughs) that's how I see it. I don't know if this this is, I don't know if you'll find it, you won't find it in the polycanon, it's, gonna, it's probably maybe really kind of weird for some people, but I see th- this human form as a transmitter-receiver energy unit of consciousness and of life, and we're constantly taking in. We take in plants and food and, and uh, chew them up, and they become energy, and then we move out and we express our energy and we take in sun, and we take in everything from around us, and we send it out, and we take in information, and we send it out, and we take in love, and we can send it out. We take in a lot of other stuff. Sometimes if we've got our radar out for all that other stuff, we so easily take that in and can so easily either send it out or implode with the negative energy. But if you see that it's all just moving through you, it makes all the difference in the world. So anyway, I'd like to now just do a, a few little um, exercises with you, just to play around with this so it's not just so theoretical. First uh, is a little bit of a guided practice, and then we'll be a bit more experiential. So uh, just close your eyes. 
And um, in the classical metta practice, one of the categories is um, a benefactor. Think of somebody who's a benefactor in your life. Maybe a, a wise mentor or a friend who's there for you or who's been there for you. And with this metta, instead of sending them good wishes, for a moment, take in their caring for you. Somebody who's believed in you and who's rooting for you. Just take in, let yourself receive and acknowledge all the, the kindnesses that you've received from them. And in fact, if more than one person comes, you can, can allow that too. Just all, all the energy that you've, that's enriched your life, enriches your life. And for a moment, reflect that they received that good energy from their teachers or mentors or benefactors. And see if you can get a a sense of a lineage of benevolence that's come from others through them and into you. now for a moment, think of somebody or perhaps more than one person who you are a benefactor for. And it can be a pet. It can be maybe a a kid that you really like that looks up to you. Somebody or some, some living being that you care about and care for. And see that energy that you've received from your benevolence ancestral tree has moved through you into them. That you've shared what you've been given. So who does that love belong to? Does it belong to anyone? It doesn't belong to anyone. It's just been passed on from others to you and through you. You're an agent of that kindness. And now, from that space, 
just do a few moments of, of loving kindness for everyone in this room. Just stay with your eyes closed and uh, just wish every one of us well. The happier we are, the more goodness there'll be in the world. Just, just say, may everyone here be happy. Find happiness and peace. including yourself in there. May all of us feel our goodness inside. And know that while you're saying that, everybody else is saying that and including you. So for a moment, let yourself receive as well as send. for the next one. Now take a, in a moment, take a look around the room and do it in a spirit of goodwill where you're still, you don't have to say, don't say anything, in fact. We are just wishing well for everyone here. And know that as you do, any eyes that you happen to meet that person is doing the same towards you. So letting in that love as well as uh, extending it. Right? It doesn't have to be you know, deep Sufi gazes. Don't worry about it. But just uh, make eye contact and have it as a little practice of taking in and sharing all the good energy. Just try it. This is a practice, so this is a kind of warm-up for when you go out on the street. So you can remember to just take it in when your eyes meet somebody else and there's just a brief exchange of a smile. Might get confusing sending and receiving just for a, just for a moment. Uh, let you, you can switch between, between them. Maybe send for a few moments, but make sure you receive. That's the key thing. It's hard to separate them, actually. And as you take in the good energy from around you, just let it move through you and out again. Okay. 
One more. We're kind of building up to things. Uh, perhaps you are familiar in, in India uh, and, and in Nepal and you know, in Asia, the, the standard greeting is namaste. And namaste and people, you know, all the time say namaste like this or like this, namaste. And namaste, as probably most of you are familiar with the word, just really means um, I, I honor the divine in you. The divine in me meets the divine in you where we're both one. That's what namaste means. And people just bow like that. So um, I'd like us to try it. And I'd like us to just uh, walk around. And you just be walking around. Don't, don't, don't do namaste until, I, until you're told. Don't worry. You know. <laughs> um, walk around. This would be like a kind of playing around with being out in the street. You're just walking through, through the, the neighborhood and extending that feeling of well-being, of well-wishing, and taking it in from around you. And when I, um, when I ring the bell, whoever you happen to be around, uh, then just do a namaste. And uh, you won't do this out in the street, Tele- except Telegraph Avenue is probably the one. You know, then you'll, you'll fit right in. But, uh, but it, it's a kind of uh, anchoring of what the, the general feeling in the heart is uh, to just go through your movement with that, that attitude of namaste. I honor the divine in you and being able to take in the, the love from around you. Okay? So let's get up. And uh, just kind of mill around. And you can make eye contact. You can uh, smile if you like. Really take it in. This is about learning to let in the love around you. And let's and do it in silence. Wherever you happen to be near, don't worry if there's somebody that's not quite near you, you'll find someone. And just extend a bow. Okay. This is real-time practice, letting in all the love that's around you. It's okay. All right. All of these beautiful human beings that have so much love to give, or at least goodness to give. Okay. Wherever your mind goes, come back to just let in the love.
<laughs> if your mind says, oh my goodness, nobody's catching me, I'm, I'm not wanted, <laughs> don't let it go there. Don't take it personally. Just soften, relax. Let it be fun. There's no failing this. Okay, and now as you go back to your seat, uh, again, let yourself feel a part of a, a room full of well-being, well-wishing. We doing? Are we still friends? I hope so. Um, just have a, f- a few minutes. Anybody want to comment? It's like yes. Claudia. Hi. Um, it was an interesting exercise. Um, but I was in a situation where it was actually all around me and it was um, spontaneous. I was at the inauguration and I was in a crowd of people that started as maybe 150 to 200 people and in an hour became a sea of people and an enormous crush. And people were so generous and so connected and so namaste. (laughs) I mean, you know, they were letting people go ahead of them. You know, people were, you know, the crowd would move a foot and there'd be this enormous crush and, you know, people would get anxious and other people would say, oh, you know, come on, go ahead of me, you know, and it was, it was just, you know, people wanted to know where you were from, you know, it was just small talk, talk, you were, you were, you know, in this crowd, and it was very intimate, and it was really, it was really happening. You know, and it was, it was quite amazing. Beautiful, oh, how wonderful! That's the thing, though. It's like it wants to come out of us. You know, it's not like you know, oh, if I could only feel that. If you're in that, in that field, it's hard to to not have it come. Where does that come from? Is it? It's not from the outside. It's right inside, and it wants to come through us. 
So it's, it's a matter of allowing for that to happen. And certainly some situations uh, almost draw it out without you being able to do anything about it. Yeah. Yes. I'm Charlie. Uh, and just about a year ago, I was uh, at a weekend retreat where I spent the weekend contemplating the question, what is love? And in the beginning, I sort of started with, oh, well, it's something sort of inside me, it's, you know, sort of warm, fuzzy feeling. And then pretty quickly, I came to realize that there's really a force, it seemed to be a force in the universe, and um, started thinking about it in terms of metaphors. And, uh, you know, like a gravitational force, but ultimately the metaphor that felt most meaningful to me was about transmission and reception. But the, the image I had was that I'm sort of like one of those old crystal receivers, you know, the kind that you would you know, sort of make in a kit, and they were really, really hard to tune, right? And, and it's like that, that. It's like the love is there, but it's very hard to tune into sometimes. And sometimes you end up on one of those other frequencies, you know, like that radio station KFKD that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they talk about. So, <laughs> um, but it really is very much, I think, so I was think, actually I was reminded of that tonight mm-hmm. when you were talking, mm-hmm. even before you talked about transmission and reception. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Great. that's a very meaningful metaphor for me. Great. And w- just, just notice the, uh, when the mind says it's hard to find or, or you're, it's hard to tune into it, that's perhaps just from your vantage point what it, what it feels like. But in a moment, if you invite, if you incline the mind or the heart, to really take in somebody's smile or that door opening to you. If you see it as an energy field and just see, oh, this is positive love. This is positive energy coming to me. It's like you're just not blocking it. You're allowing it to, to be experienced. That's the key. I, I've been, as I say, I've been playing with this for the last, last uh, few weeks, and it's... it's it's so simple, but so potent. Okay, uh, so we have to go, and I would, I would really encourage you to keep it up. I mean, what do you have to lose, right? I mean, if you want to just feel separate and stuck, you can do that. But uh, I mean, if you if you want to. Just play around with every positive energy coming to you. This is the universe's way, life's way of saying, you are loved. You are cared for. You deserve kindness. And the more you can let yourself take it in, the more you let it move through you and, uh, and share it with others. So um, you can check in in a month and see how it's going. Okay, so let's close with a loving kindness. Again, feeling all the the benevolence from around you, and just uh, if you like, if it helps, sometimes it helps to just touch your heart and feel the kindness right through your hand, and send some kindness to yourself. May I feel all the goodness inside and share my love well. May I. Find peace and share it with others. May I see through my 
separation and feel a connection with life all around me. And then sending that kind of energy out to this room and to all beings in all directions. May all beings see through their separation and feel a connection with life. May all feel the love that's right inside and share it well. May all learn to take in the love that's all around them and nourish themselves with it. May all see their true nature, free, pure, not separate, awake. And may our coming here together have a beneficial effect for ourselves, for everyone in our life, and to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Namaste. <laughs> have a good uh, have a good month. Okay, see ya. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.